0: Well, good morning. I'm Jesse. I'm on staff here, as Mark said, and I am getting the hard passages. I think that's part of being new. I think the next week is a lot harder, but I'm really thankful to be here. So um, if you have a Bible, go and open up to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to go ahead and read down our passage this morning to 25, and we're going to unpack what God has to say to us. I'm going to read in the ESV. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which weighs war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the Emperor as Supreme or to governors as sent by Him to punish those who do evil For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving examples so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherds and overseer of your souls. Let me just say a quick prayer before we get into God's word. Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that your words would convict our hearts, encourage us, meet us where we're at, Lord. I pray for your words to shine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I was thinking about the last 11 months of my life, I was thinking about this metaphor of just, it's been one of the easiest times in my faith and one of the most difficult times in my faith. There's been sort of this like imbalance in my faith, and I was thinking about this metaphor of... Of a game, like imagine, like the world's in front of you. Every, everything in life is happening, and all this activity and all this motion. And for most of the last eleven months of my life, I feel like I've been on the sideline, like watching a movie, drinking a juice box, like just trying to ignore anything that's happening out there. And then after that moment happens, I feel like I go on the sideline and I start yelling. I start screaming. I get upset. I want to have like a, an argument or a fight with somebody. I keep going back and forth. And it seems to be like I either like shut off from everything that's going on or when something annoys me or triggers me, I want to like argue with anybody. I just want to fight somebody. I want to put out my opinion, put out what I'm thinking. And it's been sort of this transition of like I'm, I'm either just shut off or I'm trying to shut down people. And I believe what Peter is trying to say to us is trying to get us in that middle ground. How we as resident aliens, as people that don't live here and don't belong here, but we're in our context, we're in our neighborhoods, how do we respond? How do we find that middle ground? And I don't know if anybody else relates to that, but that's sort of been my experience these last 11 months. It's been, in some ways, a pretty easy experience being a Christian. I feel like I'm just kind of in my little own bubble. I'm in my quarantine zone. Or at the other point, as I look at government, I look at the world that's happening, I'm just like upset all the time. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm anxious. And Peter, I think for our text this morning, is going to say, how, how are we as Christians, how, how do we approach this? How do we think through this? And so I just want to highlight the first uh, verse 11 and 12 right here. I believe it's going to be a framework for our passage this morning. And he says in the first part of chapter 11, he says to abstain from the passage of the flesh. Right? We are to remain unspotted, abstain from what the world is going on. But he says this in verse 12, and I think this is kind of the anchor point in this passage. He says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles, honorable, as culture, the people around you. Honorable. And the reason for this, he says, When they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Keep your conduct honorable. And I think as I thought about this word, does the Christian community have that label that we conduct ourselves with honor? As we think about people, leaders, we think about the Christian community at large, we think about our own personal lives. Like, is our conduct honorable? And what Peter's getting at is, man, these people, these, these pagans in the society, they don't understand who God is. very polytheistic. It's very much going with the norms of the culture. A lot of it's ritual practices that, that cater towards their own indulgence, their own just entertainment. And Peter's saying that, man, these people don't understand who your faith is, but when they look at your life, when they examine your life, do they have animation? Do they have things that say, well, look at the way they live their life, the way they handle their family, the way they respond to all the things that are around us in our neighborhood? Do they have animation? Are, are we living our lives in such a way that, man, like people want to be friends with us? People want to have you on the team at work. People want to have community, want to have friendship with you. Are we living lives like that? And to be honest, as I look back this year, there's a lot of moments I'm not proud of that. There's a lot of things that have just been really challenging for my life. And if it was made into a movie, or you had to like write a book, or your own life, it's been difficult. And there's been moments where I just have felt completely just shut down from people. I felt away and just distant. I just didn't want to have to deal with what's going on. Or I get triggered by somebody or something that posted, and I just want to like go to war. And I just want to, I want to make them know what I, what I think about certain things. But is our conduct honorable? And this is, this is what Peter's going to try to framework. And so I want to read down, again, just these few verses here. In verse 13, Peter says this. He says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or as to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Be subject for the Lord's sake. And I think, like, as I, as I reflect upon this passage, I think a lot of us have this idea that, like, man, we, we are, like, in the most politically divisive time. And, yes, we are going through a lot right now. But at the time that Peter is writing this letter, like, this is a, a pretty, like, heated boiling point in the Roman Empire right now. Peter's saying, honor the emperor. A lot of scholars believe that, like, Nero is probably the emperor about to become the emperor at this time. If you know anything about Nero from the, the New Testament, this man was barbarous. This man was crazy. He persecuted Christians like crazy. Like, this is a dark time. If that's not bad enough that Peter's saying to his readers, like, this is the same government that put Jesus to death on a cross. Like, this is the Romans who perfected execution, right? They were the ones known for the cross. They were great at capital punishment. Like this is like their specialty, oppression, like ruling people. This is the same government that Peter is saying to the people that he's writing to in his context. I think that should give us some pause to think through that man we are to be subject. As the resident aliens, like we are to be subject to our governing people. Whether be sent to the emperor. And there's so many things that we can go on in this text this morning. I don't have possibly enough time. There's so many, I think, rabbit holes that we can go down. But for this morning, I just want to anchor this. As I was praying, and thinking about this sermon. I want to anchor this in verse 15. Because I think there's a lot of questions that we can ask, right? Like why, why submit? What about when the government, we don't agree with certain things? I think we all have questions. But this is the point that Peter's trying to get in verse 15. I want to read that. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That we submit, not because you know, we submit because God is ultimately authority. God is ultimately ordained government. That's what we going to say in Romans chapter 13. But the purpose, right? We can argue all sorts of different things and, you know, wow, what about this? What about this? But the point that Peter's saying is so that we are free to do good. The most common things in Christianity today, as we think about community and living honorable, is most people have this stereotype that, man, Christians are judgmental. Christians are hypocritical. There is Gabe Lennon's in his book Unchristian. He talks about taking young people, and 90% of young people were saying that the biggest thing that draws them away from the faith is the fact that Christians are judgmental. And I, I joke with some of my friends. I feel like in 2020, I feel like I didn't actually know what a lot of my college friends believed until 2020. Like, we are very vocal about the things that we believe in. And often the case, and I'm not trying to say everybody does this, but often the case, and I'm included, that we are often more known for the things that we are against than the things that we are for. And this has been a stereotype of the Christian community and hypocrisy. And I was, uh, as I was reading this article by, by Pastor Kerry Newhoff, it was so funny because, we you know, we all, like, say amen, like hypocrisy. Yeah, Christians are hypocrites. And in this article, he's like, you know, often the case that we, like, look at other people and we never think we're the hypocrite. And I, I think that, like, hit me because I, like, do the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, like hypocrite. It's Christian. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to look at the own mirror. Look at myself and all the glaring inconsistencies in my life. The third thing, though, that I was looking at that I think is, is super interesting that I think actually is really applicable to First Peter this morning is the fact that Christians stink at friendships with non-Christians. That was one of the, the points that, that Kerry Newhoff said. And what he, what he meant by that is that, man, we, we either, like, we live in, like, this distant Place with the people that we are supposed to minister, the people that we're supposed to be on mission with. Like, we often keep an arms distant. And what he says, that creates this, this unfamiliarity, right? There's this, there's this, we don't really know the people that we're talking about. And we end up using labels, we use stereotypes. And what we get accused of is criticism, judgmental spirits, hypocrisy. And he said, this is probably what fuels that criticism and that critical spirit, and so Peter's point is saying, "Hey, look, be subject, because like rebellion, all these things that we do distort the gospel message that we're trying to do as resident aliens. We are seeking God's kingdom. We are seeking to build His church and make Jesus known. But when man, when we're critical, when we're saying all things that we are against, we're distorting our own message." I'm what Jesus came to do and to love. And so this frees us as in verse 17, we are the servants of God and live as people who are free. We are the servants of the living God to do good. And Jesus came and modeled that. And that's going to be the second half of this, this passage. And Jesus modeled that. And I think what's so fascinating about the Gospels is if I had to, like, construct my own way about how Jesus was going to influence people and how Jesus was going to change the world, I would have thought Jesus going to be born in, like, a, a rich home. He's going to be born to a good family. He's going to get involved in the government. He's going to, like, re, you know, reform po- politics, reform society. But that's not the way of the cross. It's not the way that Jesus outlined. Right? Jesus is example to us, man. It was obedience to the Father, submission to him on a cross where he lived a life that we can never live. He died the death that we deserved. And this is what Jesus did for us. And we as the people, as the resident aliens that Peter is saying, we're to pursue the good. Like we should be the best citizens, the best people, the people that people want to be your neighbor because, because you practice those things, you're hospitable, you're loving, you're caring. You're nurturing to the people in your community. We're model citizens. Like, that's Peter's point. I mean, Jesus summed it up in the Gospels, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love God, love people. Imagine if we just got that right as Christians. Imagine if I get that right. And that's where I know I'm a hypocrite because I struggle just with that. I struggle with that. But that's the point of the gospel. This is what Peter is saying. Man, we can start battles, we can light fires, we can go on our social media, we can tweet that, we can get upset for every different little argument. But Peter's saying, Hey, you are free people, you're living God. Let us pursue good. Let us pursue loving our communities, being the best neighbors. This is what Peter is saying. In Rome, during the second century, there was an epidemic that occurred. It was devastating. Some medical experts think it was smallpox introduction to the West. And historians believe that the Roman Empire suffered like catastrophic losses. Like maybe up to a third, even a, maybe a quarter of the people in the Roman Empire perished from the epidemic. And not long after the second century, in the third century, about 251 A.D., another epidemic swept. But what's interesting is Christianity was a, a, a new was new at this point, right? Peter's right in the first century. This is a new epidemic. Right? It, just, it just was born. And yet Christianity gained unexpected momentum in these, the first few centuries. And many, many people speculate and believe that but that's because how Christians responded to the environment. They were known for loving the neighbor. They were known for their sacrificial love. The government and the Roman Empire that, that marginalized the poor, ostracized those that were handicapped, that had a very low opinion about women in that, that culture... The Christian church really gathered and responded to that. They were known for their actions that backed their faith. That Though the pagans looked at them and did not understand their faith, did not understand their God, they would look at the Christians and say, man, I don't know what, they, what their God is, but man, they're pretty cool. Like, they, they mean what they say. And they responded to that. And Christianity, as a result, gained momentum. And it grew into from the first few centuries into, a, into around the world, and it flourished. And I believe the same point that Peter is trying to make, and I believe is applicable to us today, because, man, I look around, and I'll be the first to confess, like, this year, I've just been felt like, man, how do I respond? Like, honestly, I just, like, I want to shut down most days. Like, most days, I'm like, God, you can just come back. I, I don't know what's going on. And yet, that's not what, that's not what Peter's saying. Like, we are we're citizens in heaven, but we're still resident aliens. We're still in our context. We're still in our neighborhoods. And we are to engage with that. That is why we submit. In verse 19, it says this, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sor- sorrows while suffering unjustly. This is a largely unpopular idea in American culture. We are like so adamant about our rights. like We sue anybody for anything at this point in our culture. This is so counterculture, right? Because Jesus came. He submitted himself on the cross and our destin- destinies are linked with Jesus. That he despised the same. It says in Hebrew, he forfeited his right, it says that in Philippians. He made himself nothing to endure the cross. And this is our example as his citizens in his kingdom, that we are dead to rights. That man, we're going to submit, we're going we're to lead quiet, peaceful lives. We're going to be those resident aliens that, that acknowledge God in everything that we do from our lives, our work, our marriages that we just talked about. And that we don't want non-Christians to look at our life and find excuses, right? We don't want non-Christians to look at our life and revile God because, man, you say this, but look at your life. And Jesus is our example in that, that he despised shame. He, he took the cross, and rejection and shame is what embodied the cross. And this is the message that he gives us, man, that we are subject to authority, we're going to live peaceful lives, we're going to pursue the good of our neighborhoods, our communities, our people, the people around us, but that Jesus he's the one we're going to look to and man, I felt lost this year, I felt lost I don't know if you felt lost at points this year if you felt, you felt shut off and that and this is just like a good reminder and encouragement to my own heart and my soul this morning look to Jesus because this is what you've been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example and as I was thinking about my story, just like thinking about like what Jesus could have done, he could have like changed, you know, the political system and things like that. I realized the mistake in that belief, at least in my own heart, because how much hope and how much weight we sometimes put into the political system. We sometimes think that the, if we could just change this aspect of government, we could just change this aspect of you know, reform. But Jesus didn't come to do government reform. Jesus wasn't concerned with politics because the movement that he's bringing is not, it's not political, it's spiritual. It's counterintuitive to everything that we know. It's upside down. Because no policy can change the heart of a person. No policy can change people because people are corrupt. That's what makes every government corrupt. Whatever government form you believe, whatever political system you believe, look down through history, they all fail. And the gospel is about what changes our hearts, what changes us from the inside out. This is what Jesus came to do. And being radical as Christians it's sometimes the smallest thing, right? Jesus didn't like give like these 25, you know, these epic things. Go change the world. He says, go love your neighbor as yourself. Go love, love me with everything that you got. Make disciples. How we make disciples, we do that in our neighborhoods. We do that in our communities. We do it by loving the person next to us. This is what Jesus came to do. The three things that from just application points that, that Jesus came to do, right? We are, we're judgmental. Like, I'm the first to admit, I'm, I'm like super judgmental, man. I'm super critical. I have a critical spirit. And that's something God had, had, had to work on me as I share from 2020. And a lot of us are, are prone to posting and going on social media this year. I mean, at least, at least in my own context, I'm, you know, I can't assume everybody here, but in my own context, I've seen so many people post and do things. And my question, I guess, for us this morning as we continue through this time is as you look back at 2020, I mean, are you, are you proud of the things you posted? Are you proud of those things? If people, if people who didn't know who you were were able to look at just the things that you have posted publicly, what would they surmise? What would they come and conclude about who you are, what you stand for, and your faith? The second one is hypocrisy, right? This is the stereotype that we have and how do we fight against that and I would just submit to you that as the work of the Holy Spirit, like, what are there glaring inconsistencies? And sometimes the Spirit has to open up our hearts to that. and He has to open our minds to that. Because, man, I, I read that, and I was thinking about that. I was preparing this, you know, message. I thought, oh, yeah, like, people need to hear that. You know, like, oh, yeah. And what did I do, right? I just, like, immediately go to the other person. And as I reflected, you know, in 2020, there are so many glaring inconsistencies that God has revealed in my life. And that's the work of the Spirit. That has to be a humble heart. And that's my prayer for us as RP and as a community, embracing the gospel in our lives, that, man, that we would just be first to look at our own hearts and ask God, like, where are those inconsistencies? Because, man, as I, as I focus on that, it, I think it brings about more compassion when I look at the world, right? Because like, it's so easy just to, to sit back and just go, man, like, the world is just broken. It's crazy. And we don't want to look at, like, ourselves in the mirror and go, like, well, I'm also broken and messed up, right? Because we just want to, like, focus and analyze on that. And, that's the second thing. And the third, third one that I just thought is really applicable to our community today, and as I think about this passage, I think it really drives home what Peter is saying, is, is, is pursuing those non-Christian relationships, those non-Christian friendships. As I reflected upon my uh, time in college, we, I got to be part of uh, a lot of different ministries, and one of those ministries was we, had, we, had, we went to Hollywood, and we would you know, pass out bags to homeless people. We would talk to people, pray for them, share the gospel— but you get exposed to a, a variety of different people, and you know, as a as a someone grew up in conservative you know, church, I, I grew up uh, very conservative, um, and I saw a lot of people on, on, on those streets that just had very different backgrounds, different lifestyles, and um, it really it really changed how I responded, how I thought um, about those people. Um, I remember I remember talking to uh, I was me and my buddy, and we were talking to. Uh, a group of a group of men that were, you know, identified as, as gay. And they were talking, and they were, I mean, they were kind of badgering us. They were whistling at us, and man, we didn't want to talk to them. I, I felt uncomfortable. And I, I remember talking, and we just started talking, and just striking up a conversation. And it was really strange, because I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I remember my buddy started sharing just, you know, about his church experience, about what God had done in his life. And, and, and one of these young men opened up. And what he shared actually was like brought us like practically to tears, of just his experience in the church and how he's been ostracized, had been kicked out of his, his family's home, and you could just see the bitterness and just the brokenness in, in the young man. And I just remember that story. I was, I was like, you know, I was very young, 18, 19. and it just it just changed my perception. You know, obviously, you know, we stand true, we stand the gospel, but it, it changed how I thought. It changed how I I, I talk. And my point in sharing that is, I think like sometimes like when we're distant, it just like breeds criticism, right? We can just like put labels and we can just like you know slam people. But man, we're close to it. We're drawing near to the, the brokenness of sin, and we actually see people uh, not as just like decisions and mistakes, but we see them see them for their stories. It changes us. It changes how we respond. And I, and I believe that like when Peter is talking about resident aliens, like man, like it's it's in the community. It's in the love that we share. It's in, it's in the people that you welcome into your home. It's into how you talk to the people at work and, and show an interest in who they are. Like, this is the point of the gospel. And I, there's so many directions that we could, you know, unpack in this text and this passage. And I, but I believe that, man, like, like, being radical as a Christian in this, in this day and age, and like, I, I'm finding hard times, like, finding how to, like, where I fit in and how to, how to you know, be in a place where people are kind of isolated and people are, you know, all over the place. But this is the point that, man, how do we draw near to the people that we're next to? Because I believe that everybody has somebody in their context in their community. I mean, we have, you know, this, this marriage class. There, there are people that, you know, you're, you're near that are, that are having a really hard time with marriages. I mean, statistics show that this has been a, a really hard year on marriages. And I, I don't think any of us are immune to that. Like, we, we're feeling the weight. We're feeling exhausted. We're feeling tired. And there are all sorts of different issues that people have broken at work. People have lost jobs people who are struggling. And, and I think this is the point of the passage here, the, that anchor, right? That this is the will of God, that by doing good, that we put to silence the ignorance of this world. And so I don't know what specifically that's gonna look like in your context, and I hope and pray the spirit of God you know, convicts our hearts and, and leads us into that. But for us as a, a church in RPI, I, I pray that we would be a community that presses in, that we would love the people next to us, that we would love God and love people. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that you love us. God, I just pray that you would remind us of our consistent, our constant need for you. God, we're broken. And yet there's grace for that, that we are the sons and daughters of the King. That we are children. So let us pray that we would love those in our in our context, in our communities. God, we would pursue doing good. That man, when people look at our lives, they would see Jesus lifted high. But there are there are so many things vying for our attention and so many things that are challenging us right now. But that God, as we submit as we as we that we might pursue good, that we might pursue the well-being of our city that might be well with us and our communities. We lift you up, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.